my name's Doug, and you're listening to my show, History Out of the Closet, a deep dive into the queer history you probably didn't learn about in school. At least I didn't learn this stuff in school, and I guess it's just something we have to teach ourselves. Operation Soap, the police code name for what we now call the Toronto Bathhouse Raids, is often referred to as Canada's Stonewall. In last week's episode, we covered the Stonewall Riots of 1969, which was a pivotal moment in the LGBT rights movement in the United States, and it inspired the LGBT rights movement in many other countries. Homosexuality was decriminalized in Canada that very same year by Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, Justin's dad. Take this thing on, uh, on um, uh, homosexuality, I think the, the view we take here is that uh, there's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation, and I think that, uh, you know, what's done in private between adults uh, doesn't concern the criminal code. When it becomes public, this is a different matter. This decriminalization, however, didn't make homosexual acts legal. Eleven years later, the Toronto bathhouse raids occurred. So what happened? Canada loves to tout its progressive and liberal way of life. But if the bathhouse raids was our stonewall, then we were behind the times. Operation Soap occurred in February 1981, just 39 years ago. Pause, before we go any further, let's give some context to the heterosexuals listening and anyone who doesn't know what a bathhouse is. If you already do, feel free to skip ahead a minute. A bathhouse or a sauna is an establishment for men only. It's a business that's private, sometimes requiring a membership, depending on the local laws, and it gives men a space to find companionship with other men and engage in sexual activities. Bathhouses have lockers and rooms for rent. You have to pay an entrance fee, and that covers your locker or your room, which is a little bit more expensive, but of course, rooms offer more privacy for patrons. There are also usually saunas, steam rooms, hot tubs, sometimes a pool, a shower room, exercise equipment, a bar, and dark rooms. The amenities from one bathhouse to another can vary greatly. So can the cleanliness. You could have one that's full of mold, and you could find a five-star resort-style spa bathhouse that is sparkling clean. Bathhouses were necessary back in the day because society wasn't accepting of gay men. It forced them to remain in the closet. They weren't able to date openly, bring a man home, or live together with a partner. If they did, they were risking losing their job, having their landlord kick them out, and being disowned by their family and friends. The close contact that they desired could only happen in private so-called underground establishments. Don't confuse these places with prostitution. All the people going to bathhouses mutually consent, and no money is exchanged, except for the entrance fee. Now, bathhouses still exist, but their popularity has been decreasing. I'm sure you can guess why. It's a lot easier to date Nowadays, in 2020, it's as easy as just downloading an app on your phone and finding someone that's only 75 meters away. It's also a lot more acceptable to be open and gay in 2020 than it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s. There are a lot of people who still visit bathhouses, people in the closet, out people who would prefer to meet in person in a different setting and not use a a cell phone. All right, let's get back to the story. The Toronto police tolerated gay men and bathhouses. They also tolerated sexual massage parlors that catered to straight men. There were just a couple of gay bars on Young Street. 
drag queens who were performing there for Halloween balls or different special events, they were frequently harassed and accosted by the general public on Yonge Street. Eggs were even thrown at the drag queens who were performing at the Halloween balls. The police had to get involved to keep the situation calm and under control. Things weren't perfect, but they were seemingly livable until 1977. A shoeshine boy, Emmanuel Jacques, was sexually assaulted and murdered by a group of men at a massage parlor on Young Street. The public was outraged, but they aimed their outrage at all gay men. The police then changed their position just as the general public had. A staff sergeant for the Toronto Police Service contributed to a newsletter that called out gay men as pedophiles, attempting to convert heterosexual children into the gay lifestyle. These statements were incredibly harmful and destroyed the image of what it meant to be gay because it purported being gay as being synonymous with pedophiles. It also suggests that being gay is a choice, that somehow gay men were attempting to corrupt and recruit young men and boys. The police then began a series of raids to crack down on so-called immoral businesses and behavior. These raids culminated in a massive coordinated raid on the night of February 5th, 1981. On this night, 200 police officers barged into four different bathhouses in Toronto simultaneously. They arrested and charged 286 men as patrons of a body house, and they also arrested the employees. The men who were there reported that a police officer even said, it's too bad these pipes aren't hooked up to gas, while they lined the men up in the shower room. So what are your recollections of that, uh, that night in February 1981? Well, I didn't know what was happening. It felt like, I thought it was an earthquake, actually. <laughs> Literally, the foundation seemed to be shaking, and uh, and suddenly it was an absolute avalanche of noise. And I realized what I was hearing was the thundering of boots going upstairs and everywhere. Within seconds, the door or the door to my room was open. There was a cop saying, "You're under arrest uh, for being a found in the shower room." I was asked to bend over. I had a rectal search. Presumably they were looking for drugs, and uh, when I didn't bend over at first when they asked, I uh, was in shock, right? The one cop said, oh, don't tell us you haven't done that before, you know. We were forced to uh, stand facing the wall in the shower room, hands over our heads. We couldn't move. We were all completely naked. Uh, by the way, we were also kind of uh, identified as to which room we were in with black markers. Right. I had 104 put on my, uh, on my left hand. So it was kind of like uh, tattooing of prison inmates or something. <laughs> but it was unbelievable. Anyway, we were lined up against the wall, and... I heard one of the cops say to one of his buddies, it's too bad these pipes aren't hooked up to gas. Mm. And that's exactly what he said. And those were the exact words. I thought, I must remember that because someday this is going to come out. The very next day, 3,000 protesters took to the street and blocked off several intersections in a stand against the police action. Later, on February 20th, a more organized group of 4,000 protesters marched from Queen's Park to 52 Division of the Toronto Police Service. On March 6th, another large demonstration took place. The famous Canadian author Margaret Atwood was also protesting, and she even spoke at this event. Let's listen to what she said. When I heard about the bathhouse raid, somebody said to me, the police have raided the bathhouses. And I said, what have they got against cleanliness? <laughs> 
would be very angry if I were taking a bath. <laughs> and somebody thought they had the right to come and kick down my door. <laughs> so I'm here really because behavior of this kind, uh, people think that they can beat up on supposedly powerless smaller groups because it's fun um, and because they think they can get away with it um, makes me angry, makes me sick. And I don't see why anybody in a society that calls itself a democracy should have to suffer from institutionalized contempt. This event was essentially Toronto's first Pride, although now we celebrate it in June rather than on the anniversary of the raids, which was in February. I don't know about you, but I prefer to celebrate in June when it's nice and warm rather than dealing with a cold Canadian winter in February. Undercover police officers were identified as having participated in the protests, wearing plain clothes and riling up the crowd and then turning around and arresting people. Almost all the men arrested in the raids were acquitted of all charges, approximately 87% of them. And that's thanks to the community response. That includes the support from allies. Some bathhouse owners were still charged with the body house law from the raids back in February. The law that was used, section 197 of the Criminal Code of Canada called the Body House Law, defines a body house as, for the practice of acts of indecency, a place that is kept or occupied or resorted to by one or more persons. What exactly constitutes an act of indecency is up to interpretation. And that vagueness was used to target the queer community and sex workers. Further interpretation says a common body house can include any fixed area where acts of prostitution occur, and it can include parking lots. But as I mentioned before, prostitution wasn't happening in bathhouses and still doesn't. Between 1968 and 2004, more than 1,300 men were charged with this offense for being in a gay bathhouse. That law was repealed in 2019. An alternative to bathhouses for gay men to meet it was in public bathrooms, in parks, in secluded areas. These locations were also targeted by police. Undercover police officers entrapped gay men. They wore plain clothes and they went into washrooms and made sexual passes at other men and then arrested them when they responded to those sexual passes. These men were often charged with acts of indecency, section 173 of the criminal code. The actions of the police against the queer community didn't change overnight. In June of 1981, they conducted another raid on a bathhouse in Toronto, leading to the arrest of 21 men. Police in other Canadian cities also raided gay establishments that year in Edmonton and Montreal. The police chief at the time came forward about a year later in January 1982, stating, gay people are entitled the same rights, respect, service, and protection as all citizens, and recognizing them as legitimate members of the community. Positive messages like this from leaders don't erase what happened or mean that things have changed, but it is a step in the right direction, and small steps like these help greater change later on. The number of raids decreased significantly in Toronto after 1984. How is the relationship between the LGBT community and the Toronto Police Service today, in 2020? At best, it could be described as a strained relationship. The first Toronto police chief marched in the Pride Parade in 2005. Things have changed since then. Black Lives Matter, which has a lot of support in the LGBT community, and their activism led to the ban of police marching in uniform in the Toronto Pride Parade. Distrust of the police 
also increased from 2010 to 2017 due to the neglect of investigating Bruce MacArthur, a serial killer in the gay village. Despite members of the community identifying the threat, their request for action was not acted upon until after eight men were murdered. The police then victim blamed the community for their own failures. With the recent murder of George Floyd in the United States by police and increased demonstrations and activism by Black Lives Matter, that relationship between the LGBT community and police isn't improving. At the time of this recording, protests to defund the police are occurring in Canada, the United States, and many other countries around the world. Pride Toronto, which has been going on since 1981, didn't happen this year for the first time in 39 years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope this podcast helps you experience a virtual pride at home this summer. Now, I want to tell you about another podcast. It's called Pod La Dame. It's a weekly show that comes out every Wednesday, and it's about America's Next Top Model. The show recaps each cycle. Currently, they are on cycle eight and about to start cycle nine. So go check out that show and subscribe. Thank you to all the kind people who have sent me messages on Instagram about the show and to all those who shared the show with others. You've motivated me, lit a fire under my ass, and for that, I'm grateful. Grateful for the ass fire. Uh, I'd also like to set up a regular schedule for the podcast so you'll know when to expect new episodes. I'll do my best to stick to the schedule of Tuesday mornings every two weeks. Next episode is on the AIDS epidemic, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. All the best. Stay safe.